Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Don Callahan for our UNC football recruiting pod. Don, we've been away for a couple of weeks, and uh, that was partly due to the holidays and you know, trying to give everyone a little bit of a break. So let's catch up a little bit, though. First off, man, how was the Christmas and New Year's for you and the family? Good, good, real good. Before um, I get into all that, just a quick disclaimer. I'm actually locked up in my office with my killer cat, and he is not happy. So if you hear some meowing or if you hear a bunch of noise, that's him going crazy because uh, we have kids in the house, and he doesn't always know how to behave. But, yes, my... uh, Christmas was great. We didn't do a whole lot, which was made it even better. Just hung out with the kids and and did some things locally. So that was nice. How about yours? You you actually went. It was complete opposite of mine. You went somewhere, you know, yeah. uh, somewhere pretty far away. So, so how'd that go? It was nice. Yeah, we uh, I had the opportunity to go with my wife's family to Europe. Uh, they saw some relatives over there, so it was fun. You know, traveling on Christmas Day was an interesting experience because, like, that's probably the emptiest I've ever seen an airport and, like, a major (laughs) metro city. So that was an experience, but um, I'm glad to be back. Luckily, the jet lag finally wore off over the weekend. Um, So I'm back at it, and, you know, it was a good experience. That's good. That's good. And and for those who are listening to this, by the time they listen to it, the national championship game will have been played already. But uh, you and I were actually talking off air that, um, you know, shortly after this podcast, we're going to be watching the national championship game. So what's a what's your take? Who who's the who do you think is going to win? I think Alabama's going to win. I mean, if you look at Georgia throughout the season, I never was that impressed. So I'm going to say roll tide on this one. I've got some relatives that live in Alabama, so I have at least ancillary rooting interest in them. But I think Bama's just got a, a better team. So we'll see, though. I think it'll end up being a good game, or at least I hope it is. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Georgia. Um, I don't really have any strong feelings. I definitely don't have a dog in a fight whatsoever. But as you mentioned before, I was kind of in, or actually off the air, I was um, in the same boat as you, whereas I almost kind of forgot about it up until Sunday when oh, yeah. um, I saw like an advertisement for it. And it, it's kind of weird because I usually look forward to it, but I wonder what the um, what the what the ratings are going to be as far as how many people actually watch it because of uh, it's an SEC versus SEC team, and you know, kind of it eliminates the rest of the country really, other than the southeastern part. And if you remember, the whole reason why we have the college football playoff is because of um, when Alabama played LSU and the ratings dropped significantly because no one cared. So I wonder if that's going to have a similar effect tonight with that. What do you, what do you think? I don't know. I think the ratings will, pro- will probably be okay. Um, for those, though, that listened to the podcast that uh, we did yesterday with the roundtable regarding the Keenan reseeding, Buck Sanders waxed poetically a little bit about the decline of college football ratings and attendance. So I think you're going to see lower numbers than last year, definitely. But I still think they'll be strong. And yeah, I mean, as you said, though, I kind of completely forgot that the game was tonight until actually today. So I'm even worse than you. I was on my ESPN app actually looking to see what time Carolina played basketball later on this week. And then it popped up 
hey, there's the football game tonight. It's like, oh, that's right. There is. Yeah, but, I really think a lot more people are going to be in the same boat as us. Is like, oh, there's a game. Or they might even they might not remember about it until the game has started. You know, so I think it's going to be interesting what the ratings are going to be. But um, I guess we need to actually talk about North Carolina football recruiting instead of all this. Yeah. I think we need to do a little <laughs> bit of house cleaning first. We we promised everybody that we would uh, we would do our rankings, and we actually tripled our entries as far as uh, the fans. That, that sounds good when I phrase it like that, but in actuality, uh, tripling is, is, is just a, we have three, and one of them is return. <laughs> um, but it was good that we got the three. I think it's going to be interesting. We won't. We actually won't be doing it tonight yeah, because it's, of it's my fault. I get an, I get an F in the classroom. I didn't do my homework. I'm going to give you a hall pass to stick with the uh, the school <laughs> theme there because uh, you were you were on a vacation out of uh, the country. So I I can't imagine that football or football recruiting or watching films of big offensive linemen was the first thing on your mind when you're you know, traveling Europe. Yeah, I mean, and internet's expensive. You know, you gotta get that data plan. <laughs> yeah. I would have used it all in like one day watching those um, recruiting videos that never buffer and take forever. But people can blame me. It was my fault. But, you know, for those who, who are listening and, you know, if you want to chime in with, with your rankings of the UNC offensive lineman prospects, you got one more week to get them in. So we've got yeah. three right now. Let's see if we can get in a couple more. Yeah, that's um, definitely a silver lining. We'll give you guys another week to get a couple more entries in, or, or more than a couple more, hopefully. Um, you could just uh, tweet at me, Don Callahan IC is my Twitter handle. You could tweet at me, and I'll make sure that I uh, that I get it. Um, or you can DM me um, on Insight. Is it called DM or is it called P? Whatever it's, it's called. Whatever um, it is me, with the new software, yeah. yeah. <laughs> on, on Inside Carolina. I think my name on Inside Carolina is D Callahan. I think yeah. So just send me a message with your ranking, or if you want to send it to John, if you don't like me, that's fine. Um, want to send it to John? Um, what's your? What, what, just, how do you want them to send it to you? Just John Siegley on, on Inside Carolina. J O N S E I G L I E. Um, I think I usually put my name in the podcast description. So if you're not sure on the spelling, uh, just look at that on the iTunes or, or Google Play or whatever you use. So, yeah, get them in, guys, and we'll discuss them. But we will shelf that to next week. And go ahead and actually start talking about the the recruiting itself. Since I've been away, Don, I have been out of the loop. Uh, I was getting bits and pieces just, you know, when I was near, like, a Wi-Fi hotspot. And I checked the boards every now and then. So what's happened over the last, let's call it two weeks? Because that's about, I think, when the last podcast that we did was probably about, it might have been actually three weeks ago, so let's actually extend that. So Christmas, New Year's, um, what's kind of new on the UNC football landscape? Well, to be honest with you, you probably went out of the country at a good time. I mean, there's really not a, to be honest, recruiting is always going, so there's really not a perfect time, but relatively speaking, it was a good time to be out of the country. We had the All-American Games, which we can talk about if you want to talk about, where North Carolina had one commit play in in the U.S. Army All-American Bowl and then had a couple of um, targets. There were a couple of fringe targets. I mean, targets that UNC really likes that played in the Under Armour game, but they haven't mentioned North Carolina much. And then I guess the other main thing for the past couple of weeks was North Carolina 
um, had six early enrollees enroll this past weekend, which is huge because you, you never want to um, get a situation where, where a kid, there's some sort of paperwork hang up. Um, although there was, I guess, a little bit, Devin Lawrence was one that he fully anticipated on enrolling early in North Carolina. And I actually went by his school on Monday to uh, do a story on Jaden McKenzie, which you can expect to see later on this week, another defense alignment that that, that school has produced um, who North Carolina has offered for the 2019 class. But anyway, so I was talking to his coach about Devin. He said, you know, nothing to worry about. They just, um, they realized it was just going to be too difficult and probably unlikely for him to get everything that he needed in, in time for um, him to enroll early. So he, he, both he and Javon Terry, Javon Terry considered it, but that was, no one really thought it was a possibility just because he had so much work to kind of do to, to enroll early. So Devin is, is, is okay. He, um, he just needs to uh, finish up some stuff and should be no problem whatsoever for him to enroll in summertime, both him and, and Javon Terry enroll in the summertime with the remainder of the class, which will be a good chunk of, of the class actually. Yeah, that's good to hear. I was actually going to ask you about that. That was one of the questions that, that I had kind of on the shelf. The other one was kind of the surprise enrollee was the Juco safety, uh, whose name escapes me. I think he was kind of someone that flew under the radar because I haven't heard much about him at all. He was, I guess you can call him the, the sixth early enrollee. Let's well, talk no, he about makes him. It, he makes it seven. Oh, okay. Seven. Yeah, gotcha. yeah but okay. I mean, he's a, he's a walk-on. We didn't cover him all that much. We don't do a whole lot of coverage on walk-ons unless they're a specialist. And that's just because specialists are a little different ball um, because in a lot of situations, they won't get an offer. They'll have to earn an offer. But there's a higher probability of a specialist earning an offer than a, you know, a, a walk-on at any other position just because usually – I would imagine almost every team um, wants to have their their starting kicker, starting punter, and maybe even their starting long snapper on scholarship. But they would prefer those guys kind of win it in you know on the practice field as opposed to offering. But definitely, specialists definitely do get offered, especially the elite elite specialists. But so I don't I don't know a whole lot about him other than he's a JUCO and he's a defensive back. He's a safety. I watched a little bit of his film, but other than that, I mean he's. He's coming in, and um, I mean, I think you can view him as as any other any other walk on that North Carolina has has had. You know, there's a chance that maybe he turns out to be, you know, a, a Max Hollins, but um, really the percentages kind of favor him just being a guy who who helps in uh, helps with the scouting team during practice. Gotcha. Okay, and and that makes sense. I mean, it's like you said with walk ons just because there's always walk-ons, new ones on a yearly basis. Yeah, they don't get a whole lot of coverage, and there's a reason for that. But a lot of it just because, like you said, uh, usually a walk-on is, you know, at best going to provide depth. But, you know, good luck to him. I mean, I certainly hope that he has a good career at Carolina. The big names that I thought were amongst the early enrollees, though, were Cade Fortin and Jace Reuter, the two quarterbacks. I'm very excited to see them on campus and to see what they can do over these next couple months because I think we we should see both of them in the spring game. I mean, the spring game is there kind of just as an exhibition. So hopefully we get a live look at them in a couple of months. But it'll be interesting to see 
what they do during Blue Dawn and to hear the reports from what those guys can do now that they're on campus. Yeah, no, absolutely, especially because North Carolina probably needs, or I'm going to say probably, North Carolina uh, definitely needs um, additional competition at the quarterback position to, yes. if nothing else, <laughs> push the, the upperclassmen. But potentially they could, um, maybe, you never know, maybe one of those guys come out and, um, and you know, win a starting role or, or become the backup or whatever it may be. Um, so, yeah, it definitely should be interesting. Uh, I'm probably more interested in Deami Brown because while everybody kind of focused on the quarterbacks, it felt like everyone focused on the quarterbacks. I thought the receivers didn't have a whole lot of um, playmakers this past season other than um, Ratliff. So um, I'm interested to see what uh, Deami Brown does. Um, he's a little bit – he's a little raw, um, so – he probably has a ways or a couple of seasons away from actually seeing the field. Um, but he has all the talent in the world, you know, a, a track kid, um, lots of long speed and really has developed into a, uh, a pretty good wide receiver the past few seasons in, in high school. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Diami is one that I see helping out on special teams before he really makes the impact at, at wide receiver. And in that vein, I think he will probably redshirt, but We'll see what he can do next season if he's given that opportunity. But to go ahead and switch gears a little bit, though, Don, let's talk about the U.S. All-American game that you mentioned at the start of the podcast. Carolina was fortunate enough to have a commit in that game. Jordan Adams, a wide receiver, local right here out of Durham. And it looked to me, I watched a little bit of the highlights from it. Jordan kind of had a really good game, I think, from an objective standpoint. I'm sure that you watched more than I did. What was your takeaway from watching Jordan play in that American game? Well, I felt like he was the best wide receiver, at least on the West squad. I mean, I, I off the top of my head, he had six receptions, which is a lot for an all-star game. It's a very difficult situation because they had, I believe they had three quarterbacks and they rotated them pretty equally throughout the game. And so that's that's tough for a receiver to kind of get into the flow with any one of them, because each quarterback is going to have a different sort of rhythm, different sort of um, mentality and approach and everything like that. So it's, it's, it's it was a difficult situation for Jordan, but I thought it looked good. And I thought they had a lot of calls where they're through, through him like a, sh- a short screen. And, you know, a couple of times he, he took those for, for pretty long gains, you know, 15, yeah. 20 yard gains. Um, there was one where he was stuffed at the line of scrimmage, but Jordan definitely sh- showed an ability to accumulate some yards after the catch. Yeah, that's what stood out to me as well was for not being as big a kid as he is, he runs with that power. I mean, we saw that on his film from his high school season. He's just solidly built. He can kind of be deceptive almost with how he uses his body. And his hands are just so good. He catches just about everything that's in a, you know, just a radius around him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The two other takeaways I had from that game were, one, Dax Holyfield not only starting at middle linebacker, but also was one of the team captains, which is a huge accomplishment. I think, if I remember correctly, I believe that the the, the team and the coaches vote on that to decide who's going to be the captain. And so that's a huge accomplishment. It speaks volumes of the type of player Dax is in practices. And then the other thing was, and I'll let you comment on that, but let me, the, the second thing is um, William Barnes, he didn't 
start on the East offense, but he, I believe he was second string and they had him at right guard, which I thought was interesting. And we'll get into this, I'm sure a little bit more when we do our offensive line rankings next week, but you know, he's being recruited by most schools as an offensive tackle, but I almost wonder if guard is his better fit, particularly because of his uh, lack of pass pro in games. He plays in a, a single wing offense at his high school. He does play the, the offensive line position. I believe they call it the play side tackle, which is actually the most important offensive line position within that offense. So that speaks volumes of the type of player he is, but they, there's not a whole lot of passing in that offense. And the pass protection for the entire offensive line, it it seems very, um, I don't know how to say it nicely, but it, it doesn't seem sophisticated. So that's yeah. going to be something that he's going to have to develop, particularly as a tackle on the college level. But I'll get your thoughts on, on those two guys, if, if you were able to catch those two guys. Yeah, so to start with, with Dax, I think with him, what really stood out was his ability to continue to make plays. He's not going to Yes, he be... was all over the field. Oh, yeah, uh, constantly. And it's like you've said in the past, he's not going to win you know, the Spark Award. He's not going to have the fastest 40. He's not going to throw up the most weight on the lifts. But he is just a football player. He's got great instincts. He stood out really well to me. And he's someone that, honestly, if you asked me who I would like to close the class out with the most, it'd be Dax. He is my number one on, on my personal board at this point, just because I think he could contribute so much. For Barnes, I honestly did not notice that he was at guard. He was not in the small amount of the game that I watched. So that's news to me. But I agree with your take that it's probably just indicative of the offense that he played in in high school. Because with Barnes, he's got the footwork, I feel like, to play tackle. If you're watching mm-hmm. him, he's got fluid mm-hmm. hips. Oh yeah, definitely. And, he, and don't mean to interrupt you, but let me just interject real quickly. He has in every setting besides on the high school football stage, he has proven to have the ability to be a pass rusher. And I'm talking about one-on-one situations at the opening at the Nike combine or, or Nike camp at all camps, including uh Fedor's freak show. He was probably, he was, he was definitely one of the better offensive linemen, if not the best offensive lineman in one-on-ones. Uh, at the at this past year's freak show, but go ahead. That's really about it. I mean, with Barnes, I think that he will still be a tackle at the college level. If he's wanting to maybe play early and there's a need at, at on the depth chart, I could see him maybe playing guard for just a little bit. But ultimately, I think he will end up at tackle. And um, we can kind of start with him actually to go ahead and start closing this podcast out with in terms of what's going on for the uncommitted prospects. It sounds from the reports that UNC might be in the driver's seat for William Barnes now. I know that you have the state of recruiting coming out sometime soon, Don. So you know, don't 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 give away too much. But is that kind of jive with what you're hearing from your sources on William Barnes? Yeah, I mean, from what I'm hearing, I feel like North Carolina is the team to beat right now. And that's heading into you know a very hectic official visit schedule for Barnes. The key now for North Carolina is if they have a lead, 
which Barnes has not said himself, but if North Carolina has a lead, they need they now need to maintain that lead. And that starts this coming weekend when he takes his official visit to North Carolina. This is, for those who follow recruiting, they know that Coach Fedora always has one big official visit weekend. And for this class, this coming weekend, the weekend of the 12th, is that weekend. So in addition to Barnes, North Carolina is going to have several other major targets on campus, as well as, as far as I know, all of the all the verbal commitments who have yet to take their official visit will take their official visit that weekend. So the thinking being is that you get all these guys together and you know, for an official visit, for those who don't know the, the structure, yes, there's a lot of tours, there's a lot of presentations, there's a lot of meetings with coaches, there's a lot of lunches and dinners with coaches and activities with the coaches, but there is a good portion of the official visit, particularly Friday and Saturday night, where the visitors go out with their hosts. And usually those, I guess, groups kind of stick together with the other um, official visitors and their hosts. And so the thinking is, is that if you have a guy like, say, William Barnes on his official visit, and you have, say, Avery Jones on his official visit, then maybe those guys click. And then obviously Avery Jones wants a guy like William Barnes to be playing with him. So he's obviously going to recruit for North Carolina. And then you also have the the early enrollees who will be on campus and they surely will help with recruiting. So it's just this, this process of, of um, constantly just um, feeling help helping the, the recruit. And in, in this instance, William Barnes feel as comfortable with North Carolina as possible. And then beyond this weekend, North Carolina has to kind of cross its fingers with, uh, with whatever trips he ends up taking. Uh, he, he does have an Auburn official visit scheduled there's a couple of other schools he, that he's considering taking official visits to, um, such as um, you know, Florida, I think is still kind of in the mix. Miami, Florida State, Georgia, Ohio State have all been mentioned. So North Carolina has kind of have to cross their fingers and hope that his experiences during those official visits don't go nearly as well. It, kind of helping them with all that, North Carolina will have in-home visits throughout this period, starting starting on the 12th. The dead period ends, so um, all you know. Next week, North Carolina will have some coaches go into his house, and the following week, they'll have coaches. And then at some point, it will be strategically planned because head coaches can only have one in-home visit per recruit. So they'll they'll strategically plan when Larry Fedora goes in into uh, his home. Likely, it will be pretty close to uh, to signing day when he's going to decide. Yeah, well, that's one that I really hope goes Carolina's way. I mean, just listen to the names that you listed off as the other programs recruiting him, Florida State, Florida, Auburn. I mean, those are some high-profile programs that Carolina is going up against. I really hope that the staff can pull it off. The good news is hopefully this nasty snow and ice will be gone by then. It's supposed to be in the 60s and the 50s over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully that'll make a good impression. The last thing that I wanted to bring up, Don, and then we can end after this, was the news that came out about Michael Salahuddin trimming his list. I believe he has a final four now, correct, of Carolina, Southern Cal, Pittsburgh, and then is it Syracuse was his fourth? Yes, yes. Okay, so he eliminated Maryland, which was surprising to me. Yes. Uh, For those who remember when Don and I, we ranked our running backs, I think I had Salahuddin number one overall. You had him number two, if memory serves. So this is someone that both of us are clearly very high on. 
do you think that his recruitment might be swinging a little bit towards Carolina's way since he eliminated Maryland? Or is this still one that's very much up in the air? I mean, I I think that the path got a whole lot easier with the elimination of Maryland. I was in the same boat as you. I thought that Maryland would ultimately be the destination. And when he did not include Maryland in his, in his uh, top four, that really surprised me. I'm really curious what happened there because it seemed like Maryland was kind of in the boat. He, they even got a... Um, an unofficial visit from him about within, I guess it was, it was sometime before the dead period, pretty close to the dead period. So that's surprising. I don't think he's going to end up at USC. That's the school he was committed to for a long time. You know, it, it's just so far. And why decommit to recommit this close to, uh, to signing day? You know, and, and for those who don't know Michael Sa- Salahuddin, He's from Washington, D.C. He's a four-star running back. So then you got to look at, obviously, North Carolina is a school that it seems like he's made a lot of visits there, including an official visit earlier in the season. I think I would feel a lot better about North Carolina's chances if UNC still had that official visit in their back pocket that they were able to pull out for a weekend in January. I think that really kind of hurts North Carolina a little bit. A lot of people are going to look at the coaches and say, oh, well, this was a dumb move that they had the official visit so early. But in reality, I mean, it's 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 a gamble. And at that point, Southern Southern Cal um, was the school he was going to. He was committed to there. So, you at, you know, their, their mentality at that stage of his recruitment is you've got to at least get him on campus. You've got to kind of start the wheels turning to to push him out of that commitment. And that's what was the thinking. You know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So, but, um, yeah, I don't, I was going to say, I mean, but here's the thing though, if he didn't take that early official visit, maybe Carolina's not even on the list right now. And and yeah, that's true. Absolutely. No. So yes. Yeah. Yes. No, Um, you're absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, We'll see what happens with, with, with his then. I certainly will be looking forward to the list of commits and prospects that are going to be in on the big official visit weekend. So for everyone listening to this, if you want to get that information, head over to the Tar Pit Premium Message Board where Don will be posting the updates, I'm assuming, maybe, what, around Thursday going into Friday, Don? Yeah, well, we're going to have, by the time time you guys listen to this podcast, most likely the the state of recruiting will be published. There's going to be a lot of information that's going to really kind of, I guess, set the stage for what kind of transpired over the dead period. and what's really going to transpire for the next month as as we march towards signing day? A lot of a lot of good information kind of zeroed in on, on some things. So I definitely urge everybody to read that, if nothing else. But we'll also have full coverage of the official visit weekend. It's going to be a big weekend. We'll have preview coverage and all that sort of stuff. So definitely check Inside Carolina out throughout the week to get that sort of information. Awesome. Well, I will definitely be keeping an eye on that as well. It's going to be a big-time weekend. We'll see what happens. Don, thanks again for joining me for this one, man. We will talk to everyone next week. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.